War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, I want to go now to America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Rudy, uh, back in November, I think it was, when you were at the, uh, uh, the uh, I think it was the Park Hyatt, or the Re- Hyatt Regency in, um, in uh, Phoenix, you did 14 hours. In the second hour, just to mock and ridicule you and everything we were doing, uh, this guy, Ducey, right, sat in, had all the cameras CNN, and they had it all up there in a split screen. Now, Rudy's sitting there showing affidavits and giving you know, all the analysis that led to yesterday, the 50,000 illegal votes minimum. And he's signing with his big pen. He's got his pen out signing the certification. So Rudy, he came out last night and says, I don't care about Rudy. I don't care about Wendy Rogers. I don't care about your, your, your panels, your committees, your investigation. It's over. Election's over. Uh, Biden's got as many votes as he ever had on those ballots. And, you know, Rudy can stuff it. What say you, America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani? There's something really wrong with Ducey. I mean, uh, it goes beyond just uh, his stubbornness about this. You don't, you don't do this unless somebody's got you by the you-know-what. Uh, I mean, the fact is, he knows what happened. Yes, hold it. Don't give me a conspiracy. Don't throw. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa! Don't throw out a conspiracy theory bomb. Tell me what you mean. What do you mean? What do you mean? mean Somebody's got to him. I I know it. So, the reality is, when when they put out the the count, which was kind of misleading, the count is a count of all of the votes, including the illegitimate votes. So, for example, the duplicate votes that were found, they were counted twice in the final count that was put out, which is why Biden was ahead. Now, if you deduct those 57,000 votes, he loses by like about 20,000. So, I mean, it was a ridiculous exercise and the guys who are great scientists or whatever they are, just don't know how to explain things. But here, I mean, this chart shows you there were 16,002 copy duplicates that were counted. That's in the count in the report. So when you see the count in the report, it's pre-deduction of illegal votes. When you deduct the illegal votes, you go down and, and, and uh, Peter is actually right. I mean, it's, it truly is a 56,000 minimum. They don't even finish. Minimum. No, no, no. They, they believe they have maybe 30, 40% more duplicates to go through. Again, he made a very good point. Uh, illegals, uh, uh, so far, no illegals voted in the Arizona election. Now, of course not. That's impossible. <laughs> Every the first Arizona <laughs> election of fifty years in which an illegal didn't vote. They, they, they have. I think them. they have driver's licenses. All you have to do, and I, I, I tried to urge. But I didn't know these people. The people originally were going to do it. Just go get the motor vehicle records. You can see the people who are uh, given the exception. And go see how many of them voted. Every single one of them is an illegal vote. Bingo. So our Bingo. expert, our expert did an analysis from justice. That's good. He says bare minimum you'll come out with thirty-five thousand. Well, suppose it just in Maricopa. Just seventy thousand. I mean, it's uh, just in Maricopa County. Yeah. Okay. Just a quick Maricopa observation on, on Rudy's. At, we haven't looked at Rudy, Rudy County. Rudy. We haven't looked at four other counties where we had Pinal, Cochise, well, any of them. Yep. Yeah, just a quick quick uh, observation on your math, a little granularity. When you say that if you, if you take those 50,000 votes and Trump won by 20,000, the buried lead here is that Biden, in the absentee ballot count, was at a minimum of a two-to-one margin. Okay, oh, so yeah. that's how you can, you can tease out if exactly. there's 55,000 so, right. illegal ballots. Yeah. 
it wasn't a 50-50 split. You know at a minimum it was two, probably, probably three to one. So that's the math We're there. bringing, by the way, the second part of the show, we got Rasmussen and we got Barris. We got the two heavyweights in Poland come here and talk to you about the collapse of Joe Biden's regime. Rudy, real quickly, because and by the way, we're, we're going to have you on early next week because your podcast is on fire and you're the central player here. Ducey comes out and says, hey, we're not starting the decertification process in, in, because we're going to need leadership on this. Walk us through, we've, we've proven this, how do you execute to get, make sure the people in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Michigan know there's an end game here? And the end game, as you know, Woodward lays it out, you decertify these electors, then, you know, Trump looks like he won. So but how do you, how do you, what's the next step for the decertification, yeah. Rudy Giuliani? This, this, is, this has been the case from day one in, in uh we have we have a Democrat governor in in uh, Pennsylvania. We have a Democrat governor in Michigan. I understand why we get obstructed. We theoretically have a Republican governor in Arizona and a Republican governor in Georgia. And the evidence of fraud, you have to. I mean, it's overwhelming to say there was no fraud in the election is a false statement. I'd like to know who signed the form that was sent to uh, Vice President Pence because it's a false statement under 18 U.S.C. Section 1001. The one thing you know is the vote total given to them is false before we even get to who won. Yeah, just by looking at these 16,000 or 17,322 duplicate ballots, you know the number given to him is a false number on a very important thing, a presidential election. So uh, right now, I'd say the governor participated in defrauding the federal government. And he can, he's continuing the conspiracy. And I, he should be in front of a grand jury. If I were the U.S. attorney there, he sure as hell would be. And then I won't tell whoa, you. Whoa, 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 Hang on. Because I got about you. Katie Hobbs is the Secretary of State. Give me the, uh, hit the rewind button. Just give me a minute on that. You, you think Ducey what now about what? What? Ducey, what, what? look, just very simple. The document given to the vice president that was used to determine the electors, right? Yep. Here's what we yep. know beyond any doubt. The numbers are wrong. Now, before we get to the Biden win or the Trump win, the numbers are wrong by by 57,000 before you even do the calculation Peter is talking about. Then when you take them out of where they come from, you get about a two to one, three to one plus for for Trump. And that's that's how you change the vote. But before we get to that, the number is a false number. So they misled, they misled the Congress, and they misled the. If, uh, if you the were it, it, Rudy, Rudy, could you hang on? I'm going to bring Fincham in here, but appreciate if you, Rudy. I got a question though. If you were a U.S. attorney, because you're the most famous U.S. attorney in the last hundred years, if you were the U.S. attorney in Arizona, would you impanel a grand jury today? Given what you saw, and Bernovich is a state AG, <laughs> all that's great. But given what you saw, would you impanel a grand jury immediately to get to the bottom of what Katie Hobbs and the governor did? The, the answer is, number one, yes, and of course it would have been in panel somewhere around November 10th, and we'd be finished by now, because if you had a grand jury, uh, they couldn't do all this obstruction. I mean, uh, uh, Peter and, and, and Steve, you know this. Why are they fighting so hard for all these months so we can't look at the ballots? Why? Because they knew they had the duplicate ballots. This is, this is part of what they've been hiding. Why don't, they just sh- why don't they just immediately say, yeah, come and take a look? So what they're doing is, and the press is so damn dishonest. They're just counting the same illegitimate ballots over and over again. Yeah. And they always get a different number because even that they can't do right. But it's like a, a con game. It's an absolute con job. 
And then you see, even the, even the Wall Street Journal, it reaffirms the original. Of course it does. You're counting the same illegal votes, you idiots. It's yeah. the idiots. canvas, no, not, not the count. On yes. On purpose. Okay, hang on for one second, Rudy. Please stay. I want to bring in Mark Fincham now from Arizona. Fincham, uh, you've got the evidence that's been put forward. Everybody wants to. You're running for Secretary of State. People just want to know, time for talk is over. Time for action is now. What are you guys in Arizona going to do about this? Well, we've got 41 members that have signed on to a, a commitment to introduce a resolution to decertify and reclaim our electors based on what uh, Mayor Giuliana just said. We've got false numbers that were presented. And there are two pieces at work here. So unfortunately, I don't think Doug Ducey knows what this document means. Uh, that would be the constant, yeah, it's a little ragged, but it gets opened a lot uh, in this house. So under the 10th amendment, we have unenumerated powers as a legislature. At the same time, there's a legal doctrine that says a right of action cannot arise out of fraud. Well, they signed a fraudulent document based upon bad numbers. So thank heavens, Dr. Navarro has framed it this way. It's the canvas, not the count. You can count a thousand hundred dollar bills, but if you have 1700 or I'm sorry, 117 of them are counterfeits in the number, you're still going to count a thousand bills. Amen. You're not going to cover the fraud. And that's exactly what's so happening. Hey, 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 Mark, quick. Uh, you got 41 signees. How many do you need to get the job done? Well, we're going to have to have 31 and 16, 31 in the House, 16 in the Senate. That's going to be the struggle. So what's your count? Now, what's your count now? Up, the more now, uh, Mark, uh, of the break, break it down of the 30, break, break it down. 31 in the House you need. How many you got right now? Uh, I have I have not seen the latest list because uh, Wendy Rogers. Do, do a favor. See, yeah, see if you can get back to the war room on that because you said you got 41 signatures. No, no, 41 from state, total. Hang on, 41 state legislators. That's state legislators around the country that want to do this, right? No, no, that's no. in the three November. No, what's the 41? Arizona legislators coming on board. Yeah. Okay, so get but it. That's, so, but hang on, that's house. That's house and senate. Right, and so we, oh, we need the breakdown. Yeah. So you need to go do the numbers, Mark. You need how many in the Senate, how many in the House, and, and need, let us know later what you got. 31 to yeah, 16. Yeah, you got to have 31, 31 in the 16. House, which includes yeah. a Speaker of the House who would not approve the use of House resources for November 30th hearing. Uh, and a but hang on, but whoa, 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 that was a guy that also was recalled before they pulled the trick on him that said, hey, your, recall, your, your signatures didn't, uh, Patriots out there, Recalled this guy and would and they pulled some scam at the end and said your signatures didn't count Remember so this guy is on the hot seat, right? And he blows hot one day and cold the next day. You just got to put him on I, I'm asking this mark simply you get us the exact numbers and then we can help put the heat on Oh, we get will over the line. Oh, we yeah. will. Oh, we will. So we got We got to do this because clearly the governor's not going to help Sure, they have a hard I'll time calling that guy the governor today, though Get the numbers of who's on so far and I'll get that back to you Monday morning. Yep. Fincham, how do people get to your Fincham? How do people get to your uh, social media? Get on uh, Fincham. Be on Fincham social media nonstop in his website. What is it? Yeah, the best thing to do is go to votefincham.com. All of my social links are there. Um, whether you're a gabber or a, a getter or a Twitter or whatever, they're all there. And I'd also like to point out: yesterday we launched a, a petition to audit Pima County as well. We've got uh, another yep. issue down there that I reported to the Speaker's office. Still no action, so we're just going to move forward. Need 500,000. 
Let's get that petition up. You need 500,000 citizens in, in Arizona to do it, 500,000 signatures, I think. Mark, right. thank you so much for taking time away. We'll see you Monday morning. with the. You're going to give us a hard count because we're going to work here in the war room. Want all the posse. You always got to put your shoulder to the wheel, but this is what it takes to save your republic. Rudy, please hang on because next, Darren Beatty is going to break big news. New York Times, guess what? FBI all over the 6th January. By the way, Benny Thompson, have you, have you subpoenaed those guys? Next in the war room. Tech monitors us, censors us, deplatforms us. Conservatives have been helpless to do anything about it until now. Join Getter, the social media platform that supports free speech and opposes cancel culture. On Getter, you can express your political beliefs without fear of Silicon Valley liberals coming after you. Getter is led by former Trump advisor and War Room co-host Jason Miller, who saw what big tech did to President Trump and decided to fight back. Getter is the fastest growing social media platform in history with 2 million users, including prominent conservatives like Mike Pompeo, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and Steve Bannon. Join Getter. It's in the App Store, the Google Play Store, and at Getter.com. Longer posts, longer videos, sharper and clearer pictures. And unlike the Silicon Valley oligarchs, Getter will never sell your data. Send a message today. Join Getter. It's time to cancel cancel culture. Uh, go to Getter right now. That's where the community is building for free speech. Um, you cannot be canceled over there. Uh, and it's the Twitter killer. Real the quick, Twitter killer. MyPillow.com. Yes. My, my go there. They got, the, they got the signs. I guess we've started something. lindale has got these amazing signs. Promo code War Room. You got these signs. They're unbelievable. But you also got the towels. 109 bucks now. Thirty nine ninety nine And two for one Giza sheets. These are not going to last forever. But check these signs out. Signs were on fire on the mention yesterday. And, and uh, our interview... Where Mike Lindell said, any Republican candidate that does not back the 3 November movement to get to the bottom of 3 November is not going to win a primary. And by the way, we're going to put these traitors up here. They're working with Nancy Pelosi to bury your children in debt slavery with this infrastructure, this crazy infrastructure bill, which Peter Nadar says has no infrastructure in it. We're going to get to all that in the second hour. Uh, real quickly, breaking news on this New York Times story. Uh, yeah. Of course, Navarro found the buried lead where he bring Derry Beatty and <laughs> in, in, in the mayor back in. This is literally the buried lead. You have to go 11 paragraphs down, Steve, to get to That's this. That's a buried thing. lead. <laughs> I'll read it. The records provided to the Times on the condition they not be directly quoted. Man, I want to see those things, Un baby. Unbelievable. Okay, let's bring in Darren Beatty. Darren, this is a acknowledgement that the revolver and you have been right from the very beginning of this. Now on the Saturday edition, they're dropping the story. <laughs> Hope it goes away. Tell us what the New York Times are reporting, that this was an FBI operation. Well, yeah, the headline really says it all. Among those who marched into the Capitol on January 6th, an FBI informant. So it turns out that there was an FBI informant member of the Proud Boys who was texting his handler throughout the course of the entire event, which also... Hold, doing what? Hold it, whoa, 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 do it, do it, hold it, doing what? He was doing what? He was texting with his FBI handler. He was texting with his phone with his FBI handler. And this, by the way, if I can just quickly tie this into our previous piece as to why the federal government, why Congress, they're not interested in the phone records of people like perhaps Stuart Rhodes, head of the Oath Keepers. You collect people's phone records, you're going to see whatever communications they may or may not have had with their FBI handlers. And what you see here 
is the basis of a leak of text exchanges with a Proud Boys informant with his handlers. You saw it also in the Michigan case. Never, ever forget that this so-called plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan was a Fed plot. Twelve out of the 18 so-called plotters were Feds, and that whole story broke open because of leaked text exchanges between an informant and his handler. Hold so this is why they're not me, interested. Whoa, 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 whoa. But don't bury your own lead. Remember, a month ago, they came, the FBI came out and said, hey, there's no conspiracy, right? We found no conspiracy right. for Proud Boys and everything. And Darren Beatty immediately goes, they're trying to get you off the trail because they're directly involved in this thing. And when I and this read is that... This, and, this, and this, the New York Times, not Gateway Pundit and not the War Room, today their right. lead story affirms right. what Darren Beatty told you was going to happen. And, and when I read, read this directly from the Times, when I say the records provided the Times are not can, could not be directly quoted on the condition, substitute the word... Text the text. <laughs> that's that's what we need to see. Hold, on, I want to bring Rudy in. By the way, we're going to ask you to hold over to the next segment. Okay. Rudy, Mayor, as, as former U.S. Attorney, you also got the other buried lead about the New York Times at war with their own their own informant. What do you got? Oh. Did we lose Rudy? We just lost Rudy. We lost Rudy. Yep. Okay. God, Can I pick up on that? The use of informants. Oh. Yeah. The use of informants yep. is very uh, dicey. Uh, for example, he could have missed indications of a plot or whether he could have deliberately misled the government. So this is a, they're, they're presenting an informant, and they're saying, oh, gee, he may be lying. Well, that's true of every informant. That's true of the informant that they had on the, the whistleblower. They never do that. This is ridiculous. Plus, they have a, a bunch of texts from John Sullivan that shows that Antifa was being invited there. They were being invited there to take Trump out, quote, and uh, then one of uh, one of uh, Sullivan's brothers quotes they had over 200, 200 people in there. Uh, you never see that. They have that. The, the, the FBI, the cover-up agency of Washington, has that. Antifa was present at that rally. You can see him on Sullivan's tape. And then there are plenty of texts to support. There are approximately 250 or so Antifa members causing trouble and brought there for the purpose of causing trouble. So... The the Let Proud me, Boys. Can I jump there, on that? Without yeah, yeah, yeah. Darren, why hasn't the committee? Why, they had the cops up there all crying. You know, the the the, right. the crying session. Why have they had the FBI, the guys that were on char charge of these informants, which obviously the New York Times has got the the information on? Why have they not been called up to address the nation? Why has Benny well, and Jamie not done that? That's a great question because remember, the official position is that this was a result of an intelligence failure. They simply had no idea what was happening, and therefore they couldn't have prevented it in the way that they prevented the so-called Michigan kidnapping case. One additional buried lead in this piece is, quote, but the records and information from two people familiar with the matter suggest that federal law enforcement, law enforcement had a far greater visibility into the assault on the Capitol, yeah. even as it was taken. <laughs> boom! <place>. Boom! <laughs> no, from the pages. Rip, rip from the, <laughs> hey, rip from the pages of the New York Times. Hey, Benny and Jamie, suck, suck on, on that. that. <laughs> oh, and this is, but but I, I need to make an additional point. And go this ahead. gets to Rudy's point. 
why are they fighting with their informant in this case? Why are they creating this ambiguity? The reason they're doing that is, make no mistake, the New York Times would not come out and essentially admit that Revolver.News, Darren Beatty, Steve Bannon, that all of us were right unless they absolutely had to, and they're massaging the narrative. This is a damage control piece. This isn't, let's admit Revolver's right piece. It's a damage control piece. <laughs> For uh, the following reason, they have the informant. They want to say, oh, this is just an informant. They want to distract yeah. from the fact that yeah. the Fed has all of these militia groups infiltrated. Hang, hang, hang on, hang on. We'll be back. We're going to be back. We'll be back. We'll be back in one moment. In March of 1971, a bomb went off inside the U.S. Capitol building. There was never any question about who did it. A Marxist group called the Weather Underground immediately took responsibility for it, even before the explosions. The weathermen were not ashamed of what they did. They planned to overthrow the U.S. government, and they wanted everyone to know it. Yet even at the time, many Americans were not aware of this, because the media immediately began telling a very different story about what happened. The Washington Post, for example, explained that the radical left wasn't actually to blame for the Capitol bombings, Instead, the culprit was something far more general, something called, quote, the easy contagion of extremism in a time of dark frustrations and deep disillusionment. Whatever that means, it probably meant there was a Republican president at the time. The actual bombers, meanwhile, remained welcome in polite society. Years later, one of them became a, quote, distinguished professor at a supposedly prestigious American university, if you can imagine. Even now, 50 years after the fact, the whitewash of that day continues. Politico just ran a long piece telling us that the real villain in the 1971 terror attack on the Capitol was Richard Nixon, who, by the way, was not there. But according to Politico, the bombing, quote, supercharged Nixon's paranoia and in the end led to Watergate. The story ends this way. Fifty years on, it seems remarkable how fast the 1971 attack faded from collective memory. Oh, but is it remarkable? Maybe not so remarkable. Leftists commit violence and the media covers for them? <laughs> That's something most of us are highly familiar with. It's been happening for a very long time. The point here, the lesson that you should remember, is that the first draft of history very often is a lie. And it's not an accidental lie, it's intentional. Partisans understand that history is, among other things, a tool, and they can use it to accumulate power. So they lie about something to suit their ends. They keep lying about it. And before long, their lies are recorded as truth. They're on Wikipedia and your kids believe them. Now, we've watched this happen all this year in real time. We're living through distorted history as we watch the offense of January 6th described by everyone. Here's how the media described what happened that day. That day will be another day that lives in infamy in American history, similar to Pearl Harbor and 9-11. We can now add January 6th, 2021, to that very short list of dates in American history that will live forever in infamy. The worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. 150 days since the worst single act of political violence since the Civil War. The worst attack on American democracy, arguably, probably, since the Civil War. The greatest attempted insurrection since the Civil War. The 1-6 attacks are likely to kill a lot more Americans than were killed on the 9-11 attacks. Though there was less loss of life on January 6th, 
January 6th was worse than 9-11. For the record, we really try our hardest not to put liars, people we know who lie for a living, on television because it's irresponsible. Other channels do it every day. But because we're literal, let's go through the evidence here. Only one person was killed on January 6th, and that person was an unarmed female protester who was shot in the neck without warning by a Capitol Hill police officer who happens to have a publicly documented history of extreme recklessness. The protesters, meanwhile, killed no one. And yet they're telling you that those protesters were worse than the Imperial Japanese Army that attacked Pearl Harbor, killed thousands of Americans, and led to the Second World War, the biggest war in history. They're also, by the way, worse than Al-Qaeda. So as a talking point, as a political talking point that seems a little, how do you say, over the top, actually kind of insane. But no, it's apt. Everybody <clears throat> argued that what we saw on January 6th was exactly like 9-11, Pearl Harbor, the Civil War, including a guy who writes popular histories for airport bookstores. He assured us that historically speaking, those comparisons are entirely valid. Here's that historian on NBC. Think of the 6th of January, if those terrorists who uh, committed that attack on our capital had been a little bit faster, they could have and probably would have executed the vice president, executed the Speaker of the House, executed other members and leaders of Congress. They probably would have. Therefore, they were as bad as people who actually did. Now, you look at that and you say, well, that guy's stupid, and, and that's fair, by the way. But then you look at 15 other guys just like him saying exactly the same thing, and you have to ask yourself, why are they all saying exactly the same thing? Maybe there's a purpose here. And that might lead you to ask, what actually happened? And how can we find out? How can we make up our minds for ourselves? It's clearly a significant day in American history. It's being used to change the country. So maybe we should get to the actual facts of that day. What are they? Well, it turns out the Biden administration didn't want to tell us what they were. They refused to release thousands of hours of surveillance footage taken from within the Capitol on January 6th. Why wouldn't they want us to see that? Well, we're not sure, but we know they really didn't want us to see it. In fact, they went to court to keep that footage under seal. In one court document, the Department of Justice argued that releasing that footage from January 6th would, and we're quoting here, compromise the security of the United States Capitol and those who work there. They went on to say that that footage might, quote, create a visual pathway where other bad actors could use in planning their breach point and pathway for future attacks. No word if ISIS-K was involved in those plans or even if ISIS-K, in fact, exists. But that's not the point. The point is they can't let you see the video because it's just too dangerous to American national security. Keep in mind, the Capitol is a public building, which technically speaking, you own. You've probably been inside because until the other day you were allowed to because it's your country or was. So the idea that you're not allowed to see the inside of the Capitol is insane. The idea that the public has a clear interest in knowing what happened that day is real. So the footage we've seen up to this point shot by journalists and citizens contradicted the official storyline. Here, for example, is the Chewbacca guy wandering around the Senate. This is the dangerous terrorist. This is the Al-Qaeda operative. This is the Tojo of January 6th, wandering around the Senate chamber looking a lot more like a confused street performer than a dangerous terrorist. Hey! Hey, man. Glad to see you guys. You guys are patriots. Look at this guy. He's got covered in blood. God bless you. 
Yes. You good, sir? You need medical attention? I'm good, thank you. All right. I got shot in the face. Where are they? I got shot in the face with some kind of plastic bullet. Any chance I could get you guys yeah. to leave the Senate wing? We will. I've been making sure they ain't disrespecting the place. Okay, just want to let you guys know this is like the sacredest place. I know. I know. So you look at the guy in the Viking horns, the Chewbacca guy, and you may reach the obvious conclusion maybe psilocybin mushrooms aren't good for you. And that's fair. But no honest person could look at that video and decide America is under attack from terrorists. So then you have to ask, is that what the rest of the so-called insurrection looked like? Well, now we have an answer because a federal judge just rejected the Biden administration's strenuous attempts to hide the surveillance footage from January 6th. So footage was just released. It was obtained by BuzzFeed. It covers 15 minutes on January 6th from 2.25 p.m. to 2.40 p.m. Eastern. And those were key moments in the so-called insurrection. Now, right now, you're seeing images from a surveillance camera positioned at the entrance to the Senate wing of the Capitol. You don't see people hiding bombs or using bayonets or firing weapons, trying to take over the country in an insurrection. You see people walking around and taking pictures. They don't look like terrorists. They look like tourists. And all of them, by the way, are Americans. The rest of the footage, including shots from surveillance cameras outside the crypt at the Capitol, is similar to this. You can look it all up, by the way. It's online right now. And you should, because you will notice that contrary to what the Department of Justice, we're going to have to start putting air quotes around that, contrary to what DOJ claimed, none of the footage shows a secret route into the Capitol. Oh, that ISIS-K could use. So why did they keep this from us? Well, here's one theory. You could compare the footage that was released today with what Democrats showed us during the impeachment hearings earlier this year. Take a look at this. It is surveillance footage showing a squad of people dressed in all black systematically entering the Capitol and kicking open one of the exterior doors on the Senate side. These people appear to be well-trained and coordinated. They're not high on hallucinogenic mushrooms. The question is, who are they? And why don't we know their names? And why aren't they dressed like any of the other people in the footage that was just released? Remember, we are attacked for saying this, but we've already been vindicated for it. We still don't know how many federal agents were involved in the events that day on January 6th, but we have very good reason to believe from court documents that it's a significant number. And here's one clue. At a recent rally in Washington, the feds managed to arrest one of their own undercover agents. There were so many feds at the event that they lost track of each other and arrested one of them. So we ask once again, how many federal agents were there on January 6th? Why can't we know? What is clear is that once again, this footage reveals that the first draft of history was a total lie, an intentional distortion, a mirage created to control you. It was the work of a specific political party. It was the work of the Democratic Party. So it turns out the vast majority of people inside the Capitol on January 6th were peaceful. They were not insurrectionists. They shouldn't have been there. They weren't trying to overthrow the government. That's a total crock. And with that in mind, some of the other lies about January 6th start to make more sense. Do you remember this? Officer Brian Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher during the hours-long attack. They beat a Capitol Police officer to death with a fire extinguisher. Officer Brian Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher during the fight. He died at the age of 42 after he was bludgeoned with a fire extinguisher. 
So here's a rule of thumb going forward if you ever watch television again or read the newspaper. When they are absolutely insistent that you believe something, when they keep beating you over the head with the same talking point again and again and again, beware. There's a reason they're saying when all of them are using exactly the same line, maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe it's coordinated. Maybe they're lying. In this case, they were lying. Brian Sicknick was not murdered. There's no evidence of that at all. The medical examiner said he died of a stroke. So the reason they told you that was because they wanted to establish the storyline before all the facts were in. That's a common theme for virtually everything that happens in the news right now, you will notice. Something happens, you're not exactly sure what the outline is, you don't know all the facts, nobody does, and all of a sudden they hang a story on it that helps them politically and they ram it down your throat day after day after day. They used to be called propaganda. Now it's so ubiquitous, I don't know what to call it. You remember the lies that you heard again and again about the McCloskeys in St. Louis who were white supremacists or the Covington kids who were, of course, also white supremacists. How do they explain away this footage from inside the Capitol on January 6th, our Pearl Harbor, our 9-11, our Civil War, that shows people kind of wandering around, sort of wondering how they got there? I mean, whatever these people are, they're trespassers, clearly, but they're, they're not a crack team of... QAnon insurrectionists, like, they're just not. Yeah, these people look like they're walking around a museum, is the truth. I looked at the footage and I was absolutely shocked that they went through such tremendous effort. You're talking about Russian disinformation? No, it's Department of Justice misinformation. Our Department of Justice has, has, has really launched a concerted right. effort to divide the American people. They have been lying left and right, front and center from the very beginning, and they have no shame. And you know what? It's sick that they said that this was akin to Pearl Harbor. This is akin to 9-11. How insulting to the victims that actually endured those real tragedies. I mean, That's there's right. no limit that they won't go. There is no limit that they won't go through. It's so extreme, this rhetoric. And I also want to say this. Looking beyond this entire situation, the most embarrassing thing is that they're not thinking about inter internationally how embarrassing this looks for the American people. Think about when Vladimir Putin sat down with MSNBC and they said to him, look what you do to political dissidents. And he basically laughed in their face and said, look what you do to your political dissidents. He brought up January 6th. And you know what? Vladimir Putin was right. We no longer have the moral high ground in the international community because of this, because we have made an absolute mockery in terms of January 6th, and we have locked up political dissidents, and those political dissidents are Trump supporters. I think poor Chewbacca guy, who clearly posed no threat to anyone, maybe himself, but certainly not our republic, I think he's still in jail. I mean, wh why is no one in Congress saying anything about that? Yeah, and not even that. I mean, I remember reading a story about a teenager that was in prison for months and months. He was begging, writing to the judge, please let me go. Think about this now weighed against the Black Lives Matter protest, right? I lived in D.C. during this time. They burned our city for six weeks. And we had people signing up saying that we have to make sure that we bail them out of prison immediately. And guess what? By and large, they were bailed out of prison immediately, no matter what they did, because it was considered justice, social justice. They're allowed to do whatever they want, even in the middle of a pandemic. And then you have these people, which essentially it was a grandma selfie party. Once they got into the Capitol, building, it was a grandma selfie party. There were American flags, they were wandering around aimlessly, and they left. And you know what? There seems to be different consequences for those people when weighed against the Black Lives Matter protesters who were burning entire churches to the ground and pulling statues down with rope in D.C.